this looks like everybody. So this is our annual Casati Classic little round table we like doing. So Rick will go through some outlying topics really, really fast. Well, I'll save Q&A for a little bit later on. So um, just a, a quick year-end review. Um, you know, it was, I think overall, I think we had a terrific year, um, you know, in the athletic department. Uh, and feel good about you know the direction that we're heading and and what we're doing. Um, you know we did have um, uh, a loss during the season of one of our student athletes, Kyle McIntosh, that uh, you know was pretty tough on a lot of people, and, and um, you know, that was difficult at times for a lot of people. But I think our, our student athletes pulled together and, and rallied, and, and we just lost a good friend, Jim Yoakum, was one of our uh, former basketball players, and. Uh, so that was kind of the, the really the downside uh, of the year. Uh, but we had 10 of our programs that uh, earned NCAA bids. Uh, we won two national championships. I think it's the third time in our history uh, that we've done that. And um, so that's always a positive. The conference uh, led um, the NCAA again by conference 14 out of 15 years. And we had two of those national championships. So. Proud of that. Um, proud of the fact that um, our women's ski team had the best team GPA the, the semester uh, that they won the national championship. Our men's ski team had the uh, the top GPA, and then our cross country team had the second highest team GPA when they won a national championship. So, you know, combining the athletics and the academics uh, really important uh, for us. We had 24 All Americans. Um, 19 all Pac-12 uh, performers, 59 uh, all Pac-12 uh, academic members, which is terrific. We had our highest uh, term GPA in our history, 2.961, our fall semester. We just came off of a 2.901 uh, GPA. Our cumulative GPA is a 2.930. So we're doing some great things uh, in the classroom and, and, and really uh, happy about that. Um, our athletics com complex, um, our champion center, um, we will start moving in, we hope, in the next 10 days. Um, we've started a transition with our equipment room. Uh, you know, we've still got uh, some work to do. Um, and I think I told you a year ago that um, we had a real aggressive time frame for this uh, facility uh, to get completed. And uh, we knew it was aggressive. We knew it was going to be challenging. We had a lot of rain in May that slowed us down a little bit. So we hope to um, have most things done by the time we get into the season. Um, our indoor practice facility will come online in January. Uh, I think if any of you have had the opportunity to see what we're doing, it's uh, significant. Uh, it's going to be a great facility. It's going to fulfill a lot of needs that our student athletes have. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, we've had a number, I think we've had 1,100-plus people that have contributed to this project, uh, which tells you the kind of the, the breadth of what we've had. Our drive to 105, we're at about $77 million there, uh, so we're really on track there. We hope to have all of that um, end, hopefully, in, in February of this coming year. Uh, we've still got a lot to do, um, and, and we need a lot of support out there. We just started a brick uh, paver program that went really well. Uh, we've already raised over $100,000 uh, in our brick paver program, and it's going to be uh, really neat the way 
uh, we're going to set this up. So uh, our facilities are coming along. Our, our timeline's a little delayed, but we still anticipate that uh, everything will be on board uh, that we need by the time the football season starts and by the time our student-athletes come back uh, in the middle of August. Um, our budget, um, we finished the year uh, with a very small surplus. I'm not sure exactly what that total is, but we're in the black, and I'm really proud of that, proud of our staff uh, that's been able to do that. And I do want to say on our facilities, um, uh, our team, our facilities team, uh, Jason DePape and Emily Canova, who've been driving that project, have really done a great job. Um, but going back to the budget, um, you know, to be in the black is, was important to us. Uh, we budgeted for a, uh, another uh, year that will be in the black this coming year. Uh, this is day two, so we're on track, um, <laughs> depending on how much we spent today. Um, so I feel good about that. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, um, our ticket sales for football, because um, that makes a, a big difference in our budget, uh, we're on track to budget to date. Um, you know, we're very close to where we ended the season last year for season tickets. Uh, so we anticipate that with 10 weeks to go that, um, you know, we should be on track in, in, in that regard. And that's an important uh, area for us, as you all know, from a budgetary standpoint. Uh, there's a lot of things that um, can happen in our budget. We've budgeted very conservatively and uh, from a revenue standpoint. So if we have some positive things happen, uh, we could have a really good year. Uh, from a budgetary standpoint. Uh, as it relates to the cost of attendance, um, you know, we are moving forward, um, full throttle on that. We anticipate that, um, you know, that'll be, you know, another five to 600,000 uh, to our budget, uh, but it's important for us. I think when the mill legislation came out last year, it wasn't something that we were really able to plan for. Uh, this year, we've been able to plan for that. And I think I told you when, uh, when they made that announcement on the full cost of attendance, it was something that we knew we were going to do. Uh, we just didn't know what the exact amount would be, so it's something that we were planning on uh, in our modeling. So, um, you know, we're moving forward on that. You know, the other governance issues in that, you know, I think the big focus uh, for our presidents and chancellors around the country um, Incoming. <laughs> is the time demand piece, uh, and they're talking through that. Um, we're not really sure what will be on the January at this point. Uh, that'll probably be determined in August, uh, September, uh, when all the conferences get together to, to figure out what the autonomy legislation will be. But, um, you know, we're prepared. Um, I'm not sure where um, the O'Bannon case is going and what the ruling will be on the appeal. So it's really hard for me to be able to comment on that. We'll be prepared for, um, you know, however that turns out and whatever we're required to do, we're, we're, uh, we'll be ready for that. Um, you know, this will be our fifth year coming up in the Pac-12. Um, really excited that, um, you know, I've been a part of year three and four because I think um, it's the right conference for us. I think from a university standpoint, uh, the collaboration with other research institutions that we have in our conference makes so much sense for us where our alumni base is, where our recruiting uh, efforts are. You know, we always want to focus on Colorado first, but then the West Coast, uh, Texas are all important to us. And, um, you know, this conference is allowing us to bring young men and women back into their hometowns where their parents can see them, 
uh, playing on the coast, and whether it's in Washington or California, Arizona, Oregon, Utah. So, um, you know, that's been a real benefit for us uh, to be in the conference. But, you know, I look for us to be um, extremely competitive uh, again. I think our teams, uh, you know, from volleyball to soccer uh, to women's lacrosse to our golf programs doing what they did, our, even our women's tennis team I thought had a really good year. Um, you know, we're, we're going to compete in this conference at a high level. Uh, at the end of the day, we want to win championships, um, uh, but we want to compete and win championships, and I think you're going to see uh, our sports programs uh, get better. So um, my eight minutes are up. <laughs> um, but I'll answer any questions. How is cost of attendance calculated, and how is that going to be regulated so that some schools don't pay athletes more and use that as a recruiting advantage? Well, I mean, everybody's going to use it. I mean, try to use it in whatever way it benefits them. And, uh, you know, everybody's going to, you know, there's certain things that are included in the full cost of attendance and its expenses and travel and, and, and those kind of things. You know how each school calculates them. It's for all students, so you know there's a, there's big concern about it being a recruiting advantage. I don't buy into that. Um, you know, um, it's just. <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't buy into it, um, and I don't think it's going to be a huge factor in recruiting. And um, everybody's going to calculate it the way their institution calculates it based on uh, their state laws and federal laws, and so. Um, you know, I don't think you can, I know there's some schools that think that it will be, you know, that people in their conference might inflate the numbers, but I just don't see that happening. Don't see that happening. Is there a timeline for when you're going to stop the brick walk? No, until we fill it. <laughs> you know, we, uh. We'd like to fill it, and we're off to a great start. We had one of the best days in this company's history on doing that the first two days. So uh, we got off to a fast start. It'll kind of slow down a little bit, and then it'll pick up as we move forward. But, you know, I feel really good about where we are, and we still have a lot of bricks to sell, but it's a great way to get involved. And, you know, you can get involved at $125 level or $395 level on that. So, you know, one of the things that I've heard a lot from, um, our constituents, our alumni, our fans, ticket holders, is they want to know how they can be involved, and this is a great way for them to get involved at whatever level they want. What percentage of the uh, walk have you sold, you know? Oh, gosh, it's a real low percentage right now, Ryan. I mean, we, we just started selling them a month ago, but, you know, as I said, we've already generated over $100,000, so I don't know the exact cost, but I know, let's say there's 4,000 bricks we've, you know, we've got well over 3,000 to sell still, so we're just getting started. But but like I said, we're off to a great start, and we will uh, hopefully sell them all at some point throughout the course of the season. Sorry about that. Rick, uh, a key member of your defense on the football team this fall is not going to be able to play for the football team this fall, and CU fans have no idea why. Well, um, well, I'll just say this, that one, I can't talk about his case in particular, but um, you know, one of the things that you know, we're always going to be is we're going to hold each other accountable. And when you don't, um, how do I want to say this? When you don't um, follow the, the policies, whether it's team, campus, or city policies, there's going to be consequences. And 
Um, sometimes that includes not being back to play in, in a particular year. I know you're just uh, following the rules that you're given and not being able to address it specifically, but is there something that needs to be done to be more transparent about these issues? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I you know, I think everybody uh, focuses on it because if it was a normal student, there wouldn't be as much of a focus because you wouldn't know it. But he happens to be, you know, a starter on the football team, and um, so that becomes this big issue. But you know, um, we have very few of our student athletes that um, get in trouble, and I'm real proud of that. And uh, but when they do, we're going to hold them accountable, and there's consequences. And um, sometimes those consequences don't allow you to play in a particular season. Do you think uh, the university? I mean, is this, I know this is sort of a blanket statement, but you don't seem to hear about guys being suspended by their schools at places like Alabama and LSU. That's, that's what Texas people are saying out there, but I don't buy into that. I mean, there's a lot of student athletes that get suspended, whether it's by uh, the institution or whether it's by the, you know, the city or whatever, but um, I don't think we're different than anybody else. I don't buy into the notion that you don't hear about that at Alabama. I think that's what people like to say, uh, but I don't think there's any credibility behind it. You probably won't feel 100% comfortable until you get to 105 at 77 at this point. Do you feel comfortable there? Yeah, you know, I feel comfortable there, but, you know, I'd like to go past 105. Um, you know, that's just kind of my, my theory on that is, um, you know, we – one of the things that we haven't done a great job of in the past is generating revenue. Um, but I'm real proud of the fact that this is the second year in a row that Kurt Goldbrand and our, our Buff Club have raised over $20 million, uh, in a particular year, and we've done it two years in a row. And, and um, So we've got a lot of people stepping up. Like I said, when you have 1,100-plus people that have contributed just to this project, and that doesn't include your... Um, your annual donors or, you know, uh, uh, that's important for us. And um, and so 77, I'm happy with, uh, but we have a lot of work to do. Um, and uh, But we'll get it done. And uh, we've had a lot of support from a lot of different people, uh, including former student athletes that uh, uh, are really getting involved. And I think when people see what we're doing um, with our facilities, how we're trying to collaborate with the community with this CU Sports Performance or Sports Medicine and Performance Center, um, some of the facilities that we're creating to host local events. I think when people start to see that and, and the impact that it's having on our student athletes, um, our community, I think people will get more engaged in what we're doing. And so I, I'll, I would say I would see that number growing, and I think we'll start to pick up. I think in the summer. Typically, you always have a little bit of a lull, and then as we get closer to, you know, football reporting back and soccer and volleyball um, in early August, and then when our students arrive, people start getting excited about the season, and I think you'll see that kind of pick up significantly. But we are going uh, to Chicago uh, for three days. We're going to New York. We're going to Atlanta. We've been to Dallas, Houston, California. Um, we're going to go all over the country to try to get support for what we're doing. We haven't even seen on the field yet, but just up to this point, 
How big has the addition of, of Jim Leavitt been to the football coaching staff? <laughs> uh, well, he certainly adds enthusiasm. Um, he uh, he's just a, a terrific guy that uh, has a lot of energy, has a lot of credibility um, with our uh, football players because um, he's been there, he's done it. You know, he brought USF to you know the second-ranked team in the country. He went to five bowl games. He started in a shed building a program at USF, and then he goes and coaches uh, some of the best linebackers in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers. And, and of all the coaches that I've been around, he is so excited to be here, and he's so excited uh, to be in college athletics. I mean, I run into him on Pearl Street two nights ago, and he's got his family and his kids, and they're wearing their CU cheerleading outfits. And, I mean, he's just all in, and that's what I love about him. And, uh, um, you know, and Joe Tumpkin, I think, is a, is a great addition having been the defensive coordinator at Central Michigan where they play the spread offense a lot. Um, and he's got that experience, and he had some uh, experience uh, to our defensive backs. And um, I just think um, both of them have been great additions and really complement uh, Coach McIntyre and the staff uh, that we have. So uh, I feel really good about uh, his addition and, and, and Joe's as well. This gentleman to my left, Larry Zimmer, who's been just an icon for our university uh, and has been around for five decades and um, has meant so much to our program. And uh, Larry has an announcement of his own that uh, I'll turn it over to Larry and let him chat. He's got a much better voice than I do. Um, actually, I have two announcements to make. One of them is not that I'm running for the Republican nomination for president. <laughs> Seems like everybody else is. You're the only one. <laughs> no. um, as most of you know, I've, I've gone through a, a pretty bad bout. I was in the hospital beginning on October 4th. I went into a rehab center uh, right before Christmas, and I came home on February 20th. I'm still doing uh, rehab. but. With the help of my doctors and my therapist, I can announce today that I do plan to be back for the 42nd year of CU football. And uh, at the moment, we're committing only to the home games. I'm not sure how the travel would go, uh, but I, we've got two months to worry about that. So there's a possibility of a road game here, uh, here and there. Second part of the announcement, uh, the stars have all sort of aligned this year, and I sort of had it in the back of my mind anyway, and the health has a little bit to do with it, but uh, this will be my last year, <clears throat> and it will be my 50th consecutive year of broadcasting Division I football. Uh, I started at Michigan back in 1966, I had three years at CSU plus uh, 42 at, at Colorado. And uh, I also will be 80 years old, so uh, I think it's time. So the two things that I'm saying, I will be back for 2015, and uh, that will be the last, uh, my last year. But one of the things that uh, <clears throat> is possible, and Mark may comment a little bit more on that, I might still have sort of special assignments where I'll be on the broadcast time to time in future years. One of the, uh, one of the reasons that 
I really wanted to, I mean, it, to get back this year. It, it was a tremendous goal that I had to be back in the booth this year. And in the days when I was working hard and when I couldn't even stand up, and I was working, uh, I, that was always in the back of my mind. And one of the reasons was the great support that I had from CU, from KOA, from friends, and, and from the fans. And Bridget would bring uh, to me in the hospital stacks of cards, letters, and people saying, we can't wait to hear you back in the booth. And this was something that drove me to want to get back on the air, at least for one more year, if, if people would take the time to write me a letter and say, get better because we want to hear you in the booth, I felt like I really owed it to them to work hard and get back to you. So uh, those are the things that went into my decision, and uh, that's where we are. I'll be happy to answer any questions uh, that you have. Do you have a favorite I'm, moment that you've called in, in 50 years? Do you have a favorite moment? <laughs> I got a lot of favorite moments. Uh, to boil it down to one is very difficult. Obviously, winning the national championship for CU is one. Uh, although it was sort of in doubt right there at the end. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the miracle at Michigan is probably one that's that's played a lot. And, and frankly, to go back to to, uh, to Michigan when I did Michigan, the 1969 Michigan Ohio State game, when uh, Ohio State had the longest winning streak in the country, and it was Bo Schembechler's first year. And, had 104,000 people in the stadium, and Michigan upset Woody Hayes and Ohio State and went to the Rose Bowl. That was, I mean, that was a pretty, if you're looking at a career moment, that was a pretty big career moment. Uh, I still go back, I was just talking to Rick earlier about it in basketball, the night that Texas Tech had the longest home winning streak in the country, and Chauncey Phillips hit a shot right at the end of the game, and Colorado beat them in Lubbock. That was a pretty special night and a special meeting for me too. Meeting Bobby Knight, by the way, and the NCAA ranks up there too. <clears throat> so it's hard it's hard to pick one moment when you span fifty years, you know. Those are all good. Very difficult. <laughs> Larry, you, you said you felt like you owed it to CU fans to get back because of all their support. How much how important was it for you to get back and sort of go out on your own terms instead of having be having Oregon State be the last time you called the game? Extremely important. I, uh, I wanted to definitely get back for this year. And uh, so, you know, I could have this day where I can say I'm going to do it one more year, but it's time to uh, turn it all over to him. I mean, he's been doing it all anyway, but... but uh, you know, I, I, I could not, and I said this before, I couldn't be, you know, for all the years that I was known as the voice of the bus, I couldn't be happier that Mark Johnson uh, is taking over really 100% now for me. I was always by his side in the booth, and uh, I will say that I've never been treated better with more respect than Mark has treated me over the years. and, and uh, it's been a great relationship. I hope it continues for a long, long time. But as far as doing the everyday uh, work and doing, doing another football season, it's uh, it's probably it's time to quit. I know you said the one thing he didn't mention. The one thing he didn't mention is his 80th birthday happens to be 
on the Friday night when we play USC, which is pretty cool. Um, just so happened that game got moved to Friday just to accommodate Larry and his schedule. That's uh, a heck of a party you're throwing for there, right? Doggone right, we're going to throw a party, we're going to invite all of our friends. The other, the other people I like to mention are the McIntyres. They were tremendous, tremendous supporters uh, throughout the whole, uh, whole time. And uh, I know that Mike, particularly in the early days when who knew? I don't. I didn't even know what was wrong with me because I was out of it most of the time. But it wasn't good. And uh, I know Mike used to include me in the prayers at the end of practice. And those are the kind of things that, that are just really special. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to, the reason I wanted to come back, I want to see Mike not only go to a bowl game, you know. As long as I'm still around and watching the games, and I will be, I want him to win that Pac-12 championship. Mike's a heck of a guy, and uh, he was a great support for me. And this guy sitting right here, he was, Dave was on top of everything, and, and uh, he brought Rashawn Salam to see me one night as a surprise. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just all these things and all the prayers that I heard about that uh, nights that I was laying there in that bed by myself, and I knew that there were a lot of people praying and, and thinking good things, and that really brought me through. And I can't say enough about this one. She was there every day, and uh, gave me, Bridget gave me great support, and she continues to do so. If I can add something, the only way I was able to make it through was because of the CD family. I cannot, I cannot say enough about the CU family, and that includes Mark. Mark, obviously, part of KOA CU family. And I couldn't have done it without you guys. Rick came to see me. I was still in bed. I hadn't <laughs> you were still in bed, but you were alert and ready to go. <laughs> Any other questions for Larry or any questions for Mark Johnson? Mark, what's it mean to you to have Larry back in the booth with you this fall? Well, Kyle, I think it's fantastic. I've, I've said many times that, you know, there, there are people in this business that they get to a point because of what they've done and the quality of work they've done that you begin to refer to them as legendary or iconic. You know, and I've joked many times that, uh, the only Hall of Fame Larry's not in any, at this point is the FFA, the Future Farmers of America. Otherwise, everyone's pretty much neglected <laughs> him. So it's, it's been fun. I mean, you know, when, when I took this job, this will be year number 12 for the two of us. Um, and there were those in the business that, that said, don't take the job because you're going to go sit next to, you know, an icon. And I, I'm just dumb enough to do it. And, and Larry talked about the relationship. Um, that's been phenomenal. Um, he, he's, he's served as friend and mentor. And, Phil did a lot of uh, holes in my historical knowledge base that I didn't know when I first got here. And so, you know, there, there were times when Larry talks about being in the hospital where I'd come by and, and, and at first I wasn't sure, you know, heck, being the broadcast booth, I wasn't sure Larry was going to be around there for a while. It was, it was pretty, pretty scary. And then when you started to see him getting better, you know, I started thinking, you know, I'd, I'd talk to him and pray with him and, uh, you know, say, let's, let's do one more round. There's still more ball games to call. So when you do this for a living, it's 
it's addictive and it's tough to walk away. And I know that that's not easy for Larry, but when you've had a career of 50 years and you've done it all and called it all, you know, that's, that's an awful nice way to walk away with uh, love and adulation and support that he's got. You've been quiet, Neil. You have to have a question. I've just been writing all this stuff down. I mean, he knows <laughs> him talking about the Chauncey Billup shot. I remember watching that. I actually saw all those things he's been talking about. We go back to Bronco trips together. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's fitting for you to do this in Greeley to remember all the days you stayed at the I dorm. Know, right. 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 We were talking about that on the way up here. Yeah. Training camp would be underway. I didn't know where the country club was. I knew how to get to UNC. <laughs> Heck, we would be in training camp by now. When yeah, Dan Reeves was coach, he would bring in 120 rookies, you know, oh, and they'd have a rookie camp for three weeks. Remember that? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and you had a list of players this long. Yeah. You didn't know who any of them were, but uh, Dan did. Dan knew. He never forgot his roots, that he came up as an undrafted free agent and made it with the Dallas Cowboys. And he said, I'm going to give every, everybody a chance to, to make it. That was his philosophy. Anything else for Larry or uh, Mark or Bridget? Dave, do you have a favorite one of uh, Larry's calls? Uh, I like the catch call. You know, like we've talked about through the years how Keith Jackson knew who caught the ball, but Larry didn't. And then I'll let Larry tell the story because it's one of those – we were way over on the left side, what, we were at the five-yard line? So we couldn't see anything on that side of the field. But uh, – you know, Larry felt bad because he didn't know the who caught the ball at first. He was telling that to Keith Jackson in Texas the next week, and you can finish this. Well, you know, they, 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 Dave is right. It, that, uh, of course, the press box and all is new now in Michigan. They, they've redone all of that. But we were stuck way down about on the five-yard line of the goal line. I mean, it was, uh, and the play happened about as far away as could be. It was other corner of the end zone from the other end. And I didn't think that Cardell could throw the ball that far. And, you know, and as the announcer, you rarely see those things work. So in the back of my mind, I didn't, you know, I thought the game was over. It wouldn't work. The ball got up in the air, and it kept going and going and going. And, uh, you know, if you listen to my call of the game, and I said it's knocked in the air, and that's when Anderson hit it up in the air. And it's caught. Well, the one thing that I did in, in calling that play was, what was the most important thing that happened on the play? Not who caught the ball. Colorado won the game. And that's what I said right away. Colorado wins the game from behind to winning. And we can always go back and learn that Michael Westbrook caught the ball. But uh, Colorado was the winner of the football game. And then I said, no flags anywhere, because I started looking down the field. Usually you find a flag somewhere along the line. And uh, that, that's what I said, no flag, so got a lot of wins. But the funny thing is, you know, on Monday, I mean, that thing was played on ESPN all weekend. On Monday, I read in the Denver Post that, uh, well, Zimmer's call was great, but he didn't know who caught the ball. Keith Jackson did on ABC. And so I felt pretty bad about that. Next week we're playing at Texas, 
and ABC doing that game too. And Dave put us out on the, because it was in September and very hot in Austin, put us out on the photo deck so, uh, you know, it wouldn't be hot in that booth. And, he, and Keith was out there too. It was a little fence. And I'm just doing my pregame work and all of a sudden I hear that voice, Zimmer. I look up and here's Keith looking over the fence at me. And he said, that was a great call in that play last week. And I said, yeah, but Keith, I didn't know who caught the ball. He said, hell, I didn't either. I said, just remember, I got 12 cameras out there and there's a camera down in that end zone and the cameraman call out the number of the guy with the ball into the ear of my spotter. He said, that's the only way I knew. He said, I had no idea who caught the ball. So you see, sometimes the critics in the newspaper don't know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> hey, you're under the gun. It's just like the fifth down. And Dave was, Dave was sitting right in front of me at that one. I had no idea it was the fifth down. I look at the, at the down marker on the sideline. Down marker said, Third down, they spike the ball, it says fourth down. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not counting. Of course, he's keeping stats. Now, picture this. Charles Johnson is going under center. The ball is on the goal line. Colorado is behind. On this one play, they're either going to win or they're going to lose. I've got to call that play. He turns around and says, this is fifth down. I can really digest that and think about it. <laughs> so I don't pay any attention to him. I go ahead and call the play. And then we worried about whether it was fifth down. But my first obligation was to call that play and see if CJ got in the end line, which some people say he didn't. Yeah. I, I don't know. Not anybody in the state of Colorado. No. no. <laughs> you know what? All I know is they put six points up on the board. So as far as I'm concerned, he got in the end zone. He did. But, uh, I was there. You know, it's, it's those moments that are just so great in this business. You know, there was a time when two of us were at Iowa State with the tornado out there. And state police kept coming in the booth and saying, you got to get out, you got to get out. Okay, okay. We're still on the air. Finally, a cop comes in and he said, either you get out or I'm going to throw you out. So I told Mark, I think we better go. <laughs> so we go down into the stairwell. And we never went off the air. We stayed on the air from the stairwell with our sideline mic. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, you, you can't recreate that. Uh, it's like Al Michaels' book, you know, he said, uh, you can't make this up. That's the name of it. And that's true. You can't make those things up. They just happened. And Did you envision you know, those 50 the, years ago? The great memories. You're going to edit my book, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did, Did you envision 50, 50 years? Did I envision 50 years? Sorry, I don't hear very well either. Uh, you know, obviously not. No, of course not. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're barely 30 years old and you, you start your, your career, at, I mean, I, I had done high school football and everything for you know, for almost 10 years. I'd done my tour in the Army and all of that. When I finally got the job at Michigan to do college football, that I think 50 years later I'd still be doing college football, you don't even think about it, do you? No, I didn't, I didn't think about it, and as I look back on it, it's, uh, it's amazing. And, you know, and when you consider 45 years, the three years at Colorado State, in the 42 at, at UNCU at one radio station. And anybody who's been in the radio business knows, you know, 
you don't stay in one place for 45 years. But I did. Uh, I was I was very fortunate. I worked with good people. And, you know, my association for 19 years with Bob Martin was terrific. And uh, you know, I've been very very fortunate. I've been blessed to do Super Bowls and things like that. Plus a national championship. How many people do the college national championship team? Not many. Unless you do Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> they inflate their count. One of my other favorite calls that people forget about it is the uh, 20 to 10. What? 20 to 10, the Nebraska game in 86. Yeah, that, that's, that was special too. Yeah, you do forget about it because, of course, it was the start of, of the McCartney era. Uh, and I would not say, I didn't feel we had won the game and I, until uh, Remington intercepted that pass right at the end. That's the first time I felt good about it. Heck, when we were leading Nebraska 62 to 36, I didn't feel good about it. You know, I still thought they were going to find a way to come back and win. They always did. But, uh, you know, and that was a special game, too. And when we go to special games, that'll be two of them in a row, because the Texas game the next week is pretty special. Because of the general opinion in Denver was that Colorado had done it in that Nebraska game. They had gotten themselves up for that. No way they could get up two weeks in a row, particularly playing Texas and Dallas. Well, you know what? They did almost almost lost it in the second half. But when the time was right, they made the big plays and won the game. But that was a heck of a win. Well, I, I tell you, when you think back on it, beating Texas and Dallas for the conference championship, pretty darn good, particularly after you just beat the Oscars a week before. <coughs>